0: Hey guys, welcome to this very special episode of the podcast. We're letting you behind the velvet rope, opening up the curtains and letting you backstage and seeing some of the stuff that I do with clients. So actually one of my clients asked me to run a training session to their tribe, specifically around how to win the war for talent and attract world-class team members to their team. How to recruit better than any other recruiter. So this session is actually a live workshop that I did for them. It's tangible tips. It really gets your thinking. So if you're looking to hire in the near future, then I would definitely say grab a pen and paper, take notes. There is slides, but don't worry. You can just listen as well. It will make perfect sense. And just go through and think about how can you apply these tips to be able to recruit better than any recruiter does. Enjoy. So let's talk about winning the war for talent. Let's talk about the mindset. Some of you are here today because you wanted to learn how to write better ads to attract it. Just stick with me. Everything will make sense in the end and I will give you those tools and I'll give you some stuff that you can use while you're doing your recruitment process. The number one thing I need you to think about is why the fuck anyone should work for you. We often, like we're in it but we haven't thought about it from their perspective. So into the chat box, why should anyone work for you? What have we got? I'm happy to have unmutes as well on this if you, flexibility, yep. Uh, We've had a fair, Uh, oh, okay. Those of you that haven't worked with me directly before, I have a fluffy baseball bat I'm told. So the fluffy baseball bat is a good amount of accountability and directness wrapped in love. And I can be really brutal and direct sometimes. So, so is anyone gonna be offended if I give you sharp, hard, real feedback that you can utilize right now? We all good with that? Excellent. I've only got one person in the chat box that's got any reason to work for them. Tani, why did you join Super Butcher? You can have a couple of pieces. No one knows why anyone should work for them. Okay, this is good. I think I, I, you're in the right place. <laughs> uh, we have a specialized niche for Darren. Paid, ber- paid birthday off, five team days. Um, Shares, fun with the team, that's great. Challenges, opportunities, flexibility from different from competitors. You do care about the people that are working with you, Renee, 100%. Ongoing follow-up and support, great. Great culture built on values, beautiful. Okay. Now I really want you to think about the best talent in the industry. So if the best talent are working somewhere else, why should they choose you? Now, I'll give you, I'll give you a little bit of help here. I want you to put yourself in their shoes, not your shoes, not what you think is a great culture, not what you think is awesome for you. The top talent for the role that you're recruiting right now, what would make it great for them? Why would they want to work for you? Long-running, successful business, stable, making money, that's, that's definitely a bonus. Backed by global business, so security, purpose-led, excellent. Excellent. Future development, we, career, we recruit career growth. So there's always a blue sky available. Awesome. Here's the brutal honesty part there. How many ads on Seek do you reckon has the same stuff? I'm going to be brutal. There's nothing here that's making me go, wow, that's so different. I can see the color in that. That stands out. Startups that they can really make their role their own. Yeah. So this is where I want you to be. And I know I'm putting you on the spot and everyone's trying to type super fast, but this is where you really need to spend the time, right? You really need to think about what is in it for them from their perspective, not in cliches, not in like generalization, really what is unique about your culture. Okay, what if I told you the culture is what your people do when you're not watching. Everyone, like, usually I say what culture is, and they're like, oh, it's a, it's a group of this, and it's blah, blah, blah. Well, culture's not just good. So every business has a culture, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent. There is a culture. So you, your culture is underpinned by the behaviors of your people. So when we start talking about how do we attract people, and, and this will come into when we're writing our advertisements, you need to describe what is the behavior and the actions of the humans that are building your culture DNA. So now let's have a think. And this is, this is where I, I challenge you to have extreme ownership, extreme honesty. If you cannot be impeccable with your word to yourself, You can never expect anybody else to be impeccable with their word to you, right? And if we do not look things in the face and be really realistic about where we are, we can never get where we want to go, okay? So let's be honest. take I won't make you put it into the chat box unless you want to, but I want you to write this down right now. What is the actual behaviors of your people? Do they turn up early? Do they turn up on time? Are they fucking pumped and ready to rock and roll the minute they get in the door? Or are they a bit late? Do they take a little while to warm up? They definitely need their coffee. Is, some, is there some water cooler scuttlebutt? Is there some dragging of their heels towards hitting their targets and the goals? Be really honest, really think about this. What are the behaviors of your people at the moment? what is the culture that you really have we have an above the line culture but not everyone all of the time great awareness Darren and you're not going to like you're not going to have everyone all of the time there's shit shit that happens but it it's what is what with your culture what is tolerated is what you give permission for so if you have people that are are late and there's only a few of them or there's a bit of scuttlebutt or a bit of prima donna behavior and all of that what gets, what you tolerate gets repeated. So then you're t- giving permission to your other people to start following suit. And this is how you end up on a slippery slope to hell of poor performance and drama because you've given permission by acceptance. So they say what you walk past, you, you give permission to. So where you turn a blind eye is what happens. So from my work that I do with Stephen Kotler and the Flow Research Collective, We know from the science and from doing the Harvard business studies that your culture is not actually the average sum of your people. So for Darren, you might have, Darren, how many do you have? I think you said 13. I need to scroll up. 16. So hypothetically, Darren's got 16 people, of which say 10 of them are above a 8 out of 10 for culture and performance. But then they've got maybe, I don't know, three of them that sit at a... Five to a seven. And then we've got a couple that sit at three to four. Your culture sinks to the lowest common denominator. Your reputation in the market is pulled down by any of those. So we, we, have we all heard that like if someone gets a like has bad service or a bad review, they tell how many people? Can anyone help help, help me out on what, what's those numbers? They tell seven people. Yep, up to 10. Correct. Right? Whereas if they have an average performance average service they don't tell anyone and it has to be absolutely superstar to to rave about you okay so your lowest common denominator your lowest performer your lowest attitude your your worst contributor to culture or anchor is what is pulling down your employer brand and is also pulling down the performance of your team and guess what top performers want to work with top performers they want to be surrounded by like people that is the brand that, that pulls, your, pulls you up and gets you to attract the best quality people in the market. So take a moment now. I want you to think about who is your lowest common denominator? Who is, do you have anyone who is on your team being an anchor that's stopping the boats go faster by either their attitude, their lack of cultural alignment, or their piss-poor performance? They just left. Excellent. Now, I'm not saying that we would cut people instantly because of these things. We would work with them um, and we need to do a culture realignment and you need to step up and take ownership and look at where we're at cause for maybe not being clear, not having crystal clear communication around expectations and not holding people accountable or demonstrating and painting the picture of what done looks like in terms of performance or culture. So I'm not saying we're just like instant acts on the head see years later, but I want you to identify it because you need to be hyper aware of what it's doing to your team. And most importantly, if you're trying to attract talent to your your employer brand in the market. So as everyone, I'm looking for hands. Has everyone identified anyone that's an anchor that's dragging down their culture? Yep. Excellent. Nope. So it's really, sometimes it's really hard to put a rating on your culture but you you'll get a good sense of feel like are they negative are they whinging are they like are they you've if you've already got a set of values are they not living them now we do a lot of work about setting virtues um and the reason why i use a virtue over a value is i believe that values are people's belief system and it's not our place in the world to push our our beliefs upon somebody else and beliefs Are not actual truths that's somebody's opinion and so people have a idea of what value means to them and if you try and bring someone into a business and you say these are our values and they don't there's some sort of rub or misalignment or a different framing of what that means to people it's really hard to enroll them so we use the term virtues because a virtue by virtue is something that's designed to be a group construct and it's something that you are constantly pushing towards and striving towards. You don't need to deep, it doesn't need to be one of your core values that you live your own life by, but it's a virtue that you agree upon and that you uh, are taking up the the sword to say, yes, I will fight for this. And yes, I will strive for this. And you can give, and because it's got a different language around it, people don't stick it inside of a box, which gives you the creative license to describe to them in painted picture color, how you will live and breathe this. And your virtues are what creates your culture by underpinning it with the behavior that allows you to live that, right? So we were talking through with Tani, I'll use one of your, one of the super butcher examples, which is a no dickhead policy, right? And what we did with the team, we said to the team, what is being a dickhead? What would be being a dickhead at work? And the team came back and we, we had a hundred of them in a big conference room with post-it notes. So we have the enrollment into what this is and they're setting what these behaviors are. And we're posting noting, they're like, turning up late for work, chucking sickies, not cleaning up your station, bullying people, not being inclusive, slacking off, being rude to customers. These are all being a deckhead. And we said, okay, well, this is the shit that we don't tolerate, right? We don't do being late because it lets down the rest of the teammates and they make, and they, do you want someone sitting across from you going, that guy's a dick. He made me work extra hard this morning. It put us under pressure. We weren't able to service the customers just because he couldn't get out of bed on time repeatedly. So we have a model that we can start describing that. Now this is the stuff that gets out into the market about your employer brand, about how you actually roll. And if you are, moving people on because you don't tolerate that behavior that sends a massive message to the market but now it's because you've got those behaviors you've got a way to measure it and run I don't like to do performance reviews we do mission reflection sessions because we have a purpose a mission an obsession and a set of virtues and instead of performance reviews which sound yucky and scary and I'm going to drill you we look at how we review how well you're helping us to achieve our mission and we're doing constant feedback loops around that but when you have these behaviors that underpin your virtues this is where it makes it really easy for you to describe what done looks like and whether somebody can do it or not do it and what you will tolerate okay so I want you to take a moment and think do you have values or virtues in your business right now and have you really clearly defined what the behaviors are and aren't that sit below that and if not, that's your homework piece, okay? We, we won't go into how to enroll, uh, embed all this stuff. I actually had a podcast that probably went out this week, I think, on this, uh, if anyone wants to go deeper into it as well. Um, but you really need to, if you can't paint that picture to people, you can't you can't expect them to live up to your expectations. Brene Brown says that clarity is kindness, being unclear is unkind, right? So we get pissed off at people being late to work, but we haven't actually explained to them what the knock-on effect it is, and, the, and the, lam- the label and the virtue or the value that it links to as being a dickhead, right? So you want to be able to teach them the why behind it and enroll them. And this is the brand that's going to go out into your, into the marketplace to support you. So I've talked a bit about social proof there. On a scale of, so zero is nobody in the market knows you. Maybe your brand's spanking you, but nobody knows who you are. No one knows your brand. No one knows your business in terms of talent in the market. And 10 is you've got them lined up, 10 out ten out the door, banging, begging to work for you into the chat box. What's your social prof score? And what's your, like, what's your employer brand? So the reason why this is really, really important is the best talent is not, well, Tarnik's is an exception on this. I'll give a, I'll give a disclaimer, Tani exception. Uh, but the best possible talent is not sitting on seek every day looking for a job. The only time they're on the active job board looking for a job is when their boss has been a complete bitch and they've kind of got the shits and they've got on and gone, fuck it, what else is out there? But to be able to catch that person at that particular moment is very slim. And the very best quality talent have the vultures circling all of the time and they know that someone's, someone's already tapped them. They've already got a list of people they could call or they have identified where they want to go because they've heard great things and they know the minute they want to roll, they will make a call and ask if there's any vacancies. They are also usually, unless their boss is threatened by them, the like very, very well looked after within their business because their business doesn't want to lose them. So the best talent have jobs and they have opportunity. So you need to think about how do you get your name in front of them so they come begging to work for you. And the minute that you put an ad up, they're like, holy shit, I have to get my application in right now. I don't want to miss out. So I, I, I really can't impress upon you enough how important it is from the minute you, like the best time to build your employer brand was before you started with your own personal reputation. The next best time is like trees right now. Okay. So you want to be starting to think about how are you getting your brand out there? What are you sharing? Testimonials from your team members, writing them on your LinkedIn profiles, right? If any of you want to go over, actually, James, can you just drop a link to my LinkedIn profile for anyone that doesn't have it? Scroll down to my really old testimonials. There's 50 there. So you have to just click next, next, next till you get to the bottom. Um, And you'll see some of my old team member testimonials. When I was building a recruitment firm in Melbourne, It was, it was like go time in recruitment and everyone was like trying to get recruiters. It was just nasty. And I had to build an office from scratch with no brand in the market. And we managed to build that team to 2.8 million in less than a year, purely because my team members from Sydney and the team that we brought on would get on there and say how good a manager was, how good a leader I was. And so when people wanted to social proof to see where they should go, because people don't leave businesses, they leave leaders and team members. They could social proof to see what the team was actually saying. And it gave them a sense of security. It can be just that one little thing that makes them click yes, right now to start the zero to one process and get them in momentum. I really want you to think about that. But we, I, the reason why I recommend doing it on LinkedIn, it's a platform that cannot be doctored. So it's the number one place to be social proof because. The people who write the things themselves, they can revoke it at any time and you can't change the words for them, only they can change the words. So if I'm going to check a, a testimonial, because let's be honest, anyone can pull a picture from stock images and write some words and stick it on their website. What's really unfortunate is I saw a business consultant once at a seminar that I was at, that put a picture of someone and their testimonial in a brochure. And it said that They'd been in the corporate space for 20 years and they'd never had that experience. Well, the problem was the person was 28 years old and had never worked with them. And he was sitting next to me. He's like, what the fuck? I didn't write that. But people unfortunately do it all the time and, it, and that's what casts doubt. But anyone that's in corporate or in that plays that game, they know that that's the number one place to social proof. And then all I do is take a screenshot of the picture, the person and the thing, and you can put that onto testimonial page. But you wanna start thinking about how can you share that on your social media? How can you have a link? So we have a testimonials page that we can put a link in ads so that people can go check it out. If you're recruiting, you can have a link to your staff pages and your staff testimonials so they can get a feel for for your people. People join people. It's really easy to say no to a bunch of words on a page. It's a lot harder to say no to faces. So you want to think about how you can humanize your recruitment funnel throughout the whole process. How, how can you get your humans talking? Like ask them, Does this need to be with an iPhone. Why do you love working here? Get their testimonials, get it in the places, get it in front of your people. Now I would talk about the whole recruitment funnel. So hypothetically, you've got someone interested. These are the types of videos and testimonials that you can be sending throughout your journey from like, Once you've got them committed to come into a first interview, you can send them a text message. Check out this video from some of our team members. Keep them warm just like you would your clients. So the key takeaway I want you to have from this section, everyone, is it's an advertisement, not a job list of fucking demands for what you want and not what's in it for them because that's not an advertisement, okay, right? And to write a proper advertisement like you would market any job, any service or product, you need to profile your ideal customer. Now, I want you to think about this. Every talent, every team member, every candidate is a customer. You are selling an opportunity. You're asking them to pay with the most precious resource they have in the entire world that they can never get back their time. If you're taking them on full time, they're giving you more time than that they give their loved ones, their mini humans, any hobbies that they have, right? So you better sell it, mate. If you wanna build a peak performance team, you wanna make sure you're not overselling. You wanna make sure you are speaking so they can hear you and that you are making the right match up front, right? So you may have three avatars. So you might go, I could hire at this bracket of salary with this level of experience, which would be this type of profile. Maybe they're a younger person or newer into the market. I could hire on reduced hours. Maybe it's a return to work mum. I could hire someone more experienced that wants to work longer hours and less days. And they might be a more mature person and they're looking for semi-retirement. But you, so you may have to write three different types of ads, just like you would if you were marketing your business. You need to get into the psyche of the people you want on your team, the behaviors that they have, how, and you need to speak so they can hear you. So you want to profile them. So I use assistant system uh, with James uh, from uh, Entrepreneurs Institute and in Genius U called Talent and Wealth Dynamics, Right and we profile on just for a general understanding you might have if you're looking for someone that is crosses all the t's dots all the i's they're compliant they love systems they love zero right they like that detail they might be a steel-based energy you might need someone who's creative like has ideas that can start projects and they big picture vision and they can sell a dream. Like they can just paint what this amazing ideas are and you need those creators in your team, right? They're, they're our dynamo energy. Maybe you need a people person. Like they're blazers fuck, like me, right? They love to talk to people. They bring heaps of energy. They're extroverted. They love to support people. They're not afraid to make a cold call or they love to make a deal. And they're like, everything is so exciting with so many exclamation points. Or maybe when we want someone who's more grounded that can sink us in and has a bit of pace, can look at like timelining things and they're great with the customer service because they can see things from both sides of the coin, the, from the, the company's perspective and from the client's perspective and they can manage a journey throughout. Can you even hear in the tone of way, the way I speak, there is different ways that you would write an advertisement to talk to those people, right? The compliance people, they want details. They want facts. They want like the more boring they want it to be. They don't want too uh, too many exclamation points and it's awesome and it's epic and our people are amazing because that's going to freak them out. They're like, I just want to go in my office and be over here like a little introvert, right? They want safety and security. The blaze people, they don't want to know all your details and what the KPIs are and how many calls you want me to make every single day. Boring right? So you write differently for the different style of roles that you have to speak to the people so they can hear you. Now, I'm talking about writing advertisements, even though I cont- you might think I contradicted myself about the active job boards, because every single person you speak to is going to say, oh, that sounds great. Can you send me something? And if you send your boring-ass job description that you ripped off from the internet that kind of looks like the job that you've got because you're too lazy to write one or you just don't even know where to start, they already fell asleep on the keyboard, right? And it's usually full of just boring-ass tasks. It doesn't actually talk about what is the purpose of the role? What's the difference you're going to make? What are the markers of success? What's the manager look like? Who's the leader they're reporting to? How are they going to get supported? None of that stuff is usually in a job description, which is why I use Tours of Duty, but we're not going to touch on that today, which is, um, comes from the co-founders of LinkedIn, Reid Hoffman and Chris Yee. It's a great book, guys, uh, The Alliance. Um, it's, again, it's a, another way to reframe. We don't get people living inside boxes saying, that's not my job because job descriptions, that's not my job, I live in a box. We don't want that, right? Tours of duty, we get them to take up the arms, to join our cause, to go on a mission with us, to win that war, to uh, have the impact we want to have. So you write your ad based on your tour of duty and you have it to send to them for the minute they say, yeah, can you send me something? Or that when you're asking for referrals, when you're going out to your database and saying, we're looking for amazing humans to add to our team, Who, who do you know that should come in and help serve you? You've got something to give them to get the word out there. You need to sell it. What you need to think about, though, is what do you offer besides a paycheck? Because we've seen people that, either I know a couple of people on this call, they've had people getting offered, like they get headhunted all the time or they start an interview process and they lose someone due to money, right? If you lose someone due to money, you didn't do a very good job. You need to think about how are you satisfying the six human needs, How are you contributing to who they are as a whole human? How are you giving them something that they feel like they're gonna have uh, contribution and significance for? How are you selling what you're actually doing? Why does it matter to them? How do you serve them besides just dollars, right? Okay, you may lose someone, I have hand on heart, we just lost someone from another business that I run um, because they got offered an extra $35,000 base salary they got given a brand new company car, they got reduced hours, and they used to do two weeks of up to two weeks travel a month, and they don't have to travel anymore, and they just had a baby. So the wife is gone, I'm not going back to work, we need more bucks, and, I, and you can't be traveling. I can't really compete with that, right? I'm not going to try and compete with that. He got headhunted for a very similar offer though, six months ago before this was a thing and chose to stay with us because everything else that they got, they got life coaching with me. So every week they got to get life coached by me. They got to have access to other things. And we added so much more value than just the money that the 35 grand wasn't important to him then, right? You need to think about people aren't like, anyone can trade time for money these days. There's actually, has anyone heard of the life lap phenomenon? What about the great resignation? Yeah, boy says yes. Okay, life flat phenomenon. Biggest problem in Asia right now, mainly China, is the the younger workforce has gone. Do you know what? Fuck you, government. Fuck you, industrialization. I'm land flat with my Game Boy or my Instagram or my for them the WeChat and TikTok. They're like, I don't have to buy into your bullshit rules of society. I'm not going to punch. I'm not going for slave labor. I'm working in your industrial manufacturing. But we're seeing how that's playing out in Australia. And I'll talk, and the great resignation is that something that's mainly happening in the westernized worlds here, as well as America, is people have seen that during COVID, their psychological safety barrier has considerably dropped because they used to have an identity attached to where they worked and what they did. They used to be used to getting paid every single week or every single month, the same amount of money. But most of the people had that cut in half or it was insta- instable. They didn't go to to workplaces anymore and all of these things have lowered their psychological safety which has made them more willing to jump ship they don't feel safe anymore oh sorry darren that's hard to hear um so you they they've they've got more willingness to take a risk because if if they lost all of their money or they had half their wages cut they learned to live different if they had to start working from home They've, they've changed their landscape. And so the safety and security that they had of the thing, you know, the, the um, better the devil you know, is no longer there. So they're willing to jump. We then have the, uh, the introduction of OnlyFans where people think that, you know, I can make enough money taking pictures of my boobies. And unfortunately some of them are, right? The worst one I heard was we had a, a young trade guy tell us that he was leaving because he was going to help his girlfriend become Instagram famous and he was going to take the pictures and they were going to be a team. I'm like, I hate to break it to you, bro. Your chick's just not that hot and you suck at taking photos. But the problem is they thought they could do it. And once they think they can do it and they're jumped, too bad, you already lost them, right? Yeah, some of the top performers are is it 15 million 15 million pounds a month on OnlyFans, Bo? What the fuck? That's it. I'm out. See ya. Bye. I'm just going to go and unzip my dress. Uh (laughs) Right? But some people will make it, some people won't, but more people are looking at it. There's the multi level marketers out there sliding into the DMs, selling the dream that people used to think no way I wouldn't do that. I couldn't do it. I couldn't work from home. I, I need to make a money, I, don't, I need the safety and the security. But if that stuff has been ripped out from underneath them, they're willing to take the chance on it. The other problem we have with radio and a lot of the westernized worlds right now is people used to really be willing to grind and put in overtime, work super hard, work for their bonuses, work for their commission because they wanted to buy these things called houses. Those things are super expensive here now, if they're above water, unfortunately. Really, really expensive. And it means that we've had a whole generation of people go, do you know what? I worked this hard to get the deposit or I'm this close to getting the deposit. But even if I buy the place, I'd have no life whatsoever because the mortgage is over a million dollars and all I'm going to be able to do is work and pay bills and die. So a lot of people have gone, do you know what? Fuck that. I'm gonna buy a van. Yeah, the van life. Or, or a jet ski or a boat. And I'm gonna live somewhere that I could never afford and just live my life because what's the point? I like, what's the point? And the whole construct of that you must get married, have a white picket fence, like buy the house, that stuff's been dissolved as well which is where, like, that's how it plays out for our lie flat in Australia. So it's not completely lying flat. It's just choosing. They, they want to lie flat on the beach, either on their back, reading a book, or on their front, on their surfboards, paddling, right? So th- these are all the things that we're contending with. And the only way you're going to win that war is to offer them something they can't get elsewhere. Offer them whole human coaching. Offer them... A chance to make a difference. Offer them the chance to be coached and developed. So you need to think about how do you build a culture around that. Because if you write that shit in an ad and don't actually do it, then your employer brand is going to be in the toilet, and you might as well kiss your business goodbye. <laughs> so I, I really want you to think about it. Now we know that there's companies like Mind Valley that were built literally on dreams. Actually, Bo used to work for an organization and I know when he joined, he bought in on a dream, right? It wasn't a tangible, it wasn't a proven model. It wasn't, we can show you how we've done all these things. It was, this is our vivid vision and this is how we're going to fucking do it. And this is how we roll. And the people came and believed in it. And every time someone joined, they went, oh, actually we're doing it. We're actually doing it. You Yes, you created the dream. You lived it, right? I have a dream. So you need to be able to be willing to walk the talk from the minute you create that vision, vivid vision, and you hire and you fire or encourage you move them on with love if they're not doing it fast so that you protect your employer brand. Yeah. Unfortunately, Jack owned it yesterday. (laughs) Uh, Okay. So take a minute. I just want you to put down some notes. Can I have some into the chat box? some of your key takeaways from that of what you are going to do after this webinar to put this shit into action. Because most people don't have a knowledge problem, they have an implementation problem. What's what's two to three things that you've taken from what I've said so far that you're going to put into action? We talked about Tom Brady. And the reason why I bring that up is I want you to think about your recruitment like you're an NFL talent scout and you're going after the very best In the business so you need to have a really strong brand in the market obviously you need to have mapped the market to know who the players are and who you want but you also need to think about how are you going to court them to convince them to jump ship so Tom Brady spent the majority of his career uh, with for those who aren't NFL fans uh, playing for one team and he spent over 20 years with them and then got courted courted to move across to Tampa on on his way out. But you really need to think about how you're going to nurture that relationship because you may not get them right now. You need to be like an NFL talent scout, always warming your bench, always having the communications, always be recruiting, always have that bench warm, ready to pull the top talent when you're ready for it. Have them begging, sitting there in the bleachers, dying to come onto your team. You need to think about your whole team. What are your gaps? What are the skills that you need? What's, where are you lacking? What's going to add to it? What's the culture you already have so you don't disrupt it? So you need to think like an NFL talent coach, map the market, know the players that are out there, start warming your bench and really look at the skills and attributes so you get the right players with the right talent in the right places in the right spots at the right time. And I want you to know that a no isn't a no. A no can be a not right now, okay? It just may not be the right timing. Thanks for listening to the Team Engineered podcast. Are you ready to build a kick-ass team, weaponize your workforce and live an epic life? If so, connect with us at www.teamengineered.com. And while you're at it, Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts.